This is the Business Stuff Podcast. This is where I will share the lessons I've learned from advising thousands of businesses over almost 30 years. Each episode will give you practical insight to allow you to learn from other people's mistakes. I'll be pulling in experts from our team and the world of business, and together we'll make sure your business is giving you what you want. My name is Martin, and this is the Business Stuff Podcast. So I'm here with Sarah Furness from Hayden Kilner to talk about employment law, recruitment, retention, a whole host of things. Um, Sarah, t- give us two seconds on who you are and what's going on in recruitment at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm Sarah Furness. I'm a partner in the employment team at Hayden Kilner. In terms of what's going on with recruitment, all of my clients are telling me that they're basically having a really difficult time recruiting at the moment. In, in, in what, what, what's causing that is that because they're not offering the jobs that people want or people have changed too much what they want like where where where, where is it it's a combination i think that unemployment's at historically low levels so the, the the candidates just aren't out there i think post-covid people have changed what they want um, yeah. lots of lifestyle changes um brexit is now having an impact in respect of um people not being able to get work visas. So the labour supply, supply. the the, the pool of workers is different. Exactly. Um, And if if employers now want to sponsor overseas workers, it's quite onerous and difficult to do that. So um, all of these things in the mix, salaries, high inflation levels, people's expectations are significant. All of those things in the mix of creating financial uncertainty. Are, are, are people less likely to move a job? Think well, at least I've got a job. I think so. I think that if, makes people. If I nervous. lose this job, I'll get some redundancy. If I move, yeah, yeah, you've got, so, got two years. You've got to then build up your service again to two years, and it's so people yeah. are just yeah that because that does weigh on people, doesn't it? It's and like think, well, I've been here a long time. I'm, I'll be a fool to leave. Exactly, yeah. and I think particularly yeah. in light of kind of the Bank of England's news yesterday and the and, and the interest rate hike, I think people are feeling nervous. So, so, so employers are probably sitting thinking, oh, it would be much easier if it was if we, if if we were in a country like America, because you know this this is the we're recording this on the day that Twitter employees are waiting to hear yeah. whether they're going to have jobs or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we're we're fortunate in one way that we've got a lot of regulation in the UK that actually protects workers. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but we we'll have we we, yeah, we do yeah, all right, we do, don't we? We do. We're not bad. Um, so. That also means, though, there's a lot of stuff you've got to get right, as well, as well as the soft things, there's a lot of hard technical things you've got to get right as well, isn't there? And it's probably worth just going through a couple of the different stages here on how you find someone, how you keep them, how you, you know, how you do that. So if we just say that there's a three-step process, you've got to find the right person, yeah. you've then got to make the right offer and persuade them to accept it. So that includes the interview stage, etc. cetera. Um, and then, of course, you've got someone it's much easier to keep an employee who's working well for you than find a replacement. So we'll talk a bit about the retention as well. Yeah, right. So when you're trying to find someone, then, you know, most people just think, well, we'll just put an advert out. Yeah. Is, well, is, is that it? Uh, well, I, I think there's more to it than that in terms of you've got, you've got to think about where you're going to place the advert and what market you're trying to attract. And the more places you place the advert, the more diverse and range of applicants you will receive and, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll receive a higher number of applicants but it's thinking about the wording of the advert as well so so you mentioned the more places you put it you know i mean i mean i, I made a, a throwaway comment about you know clean i wanted in the post office you know there used to be little little personal ads all over the place i, I don't know if they still are now presumably there are um depending on the role you're recruiting for that may be the exact place to be or a terrible place to be you know if you're looking for someone who's 
I don't know if you're trying to attract the GP to a GP surgery, yeah. an ad in the post office is never going to get it. Yeah. So, so that diversity is good, more places, but the right places. Yeah, it's got absolutely the right places, but then back to the wording of the advert, you know, you want you want um, somebody to, to, to be attracted to it. And, and it, it's, it's about providing detail about what the role entails and what salary and benefits are potentials and um, making that clear, but also trying to sell, I guess, your firm's culture in there because you want somebody to see a job advert or when they're approached maybe by a recruitment agency um, you, you want you want to have the, the hard sell on them immediately, don't you, in respect of what a great place it is to work. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so what what you're getting at there then is you've got to make sure that you, you kind of the advert fits in with the culture that you're actually offering. Yeah. It's pointless having, you know, come and sit on bean bags. Da, 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 if if you you know you're lashing people when they get there, <laughs> and conversely, it's pointless having a rigid formal old school job offer if you're trying to actually be a business that isn't rigid formal and old school. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just got to be your personality. Yeah, in there. yeah. It's yeah. got to feed through to the job. And again, there's no right or wrong. It's it's no, your no, personality. It's yeah, just yeah. got to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of your own brand values and culture, and just making <coughs> sure it feeds through it and how you're presenting your recruitment process and and the job adverts. Yeah. What, what, where, where, where do you sit then, Sarah, on basically pay? We'll just say pay. Because, you know, LinkedIn and, and, and you know, commentaries generally is about, well, you're not putting the pay in, why would anyone apply? But employers sometimes genuinely don't know what the pay is going to be because they don't know who they're going to get, especially smaller employers, I think. I think if you're a big employer and you've got a team of 10 people and you want an 11th, well, you know the pay is going to be what those 10 are getting. Yeah. If you're a smaller firm, you might say, well, we, we, we need an internal accountant. Yeah. Well, you don't know if you need a bookkeeper three days a week or a, you know, a full-time accountant internally. You might be prepared to take whatever comes, but it's quite hard to find yeah, that exact role, isn't it? Yeah, and somebody might come for an interview who actually doesn't really tick the boxes that you want in respect of experience. But you're prepared to invest in them and recruit them anyway because you can see that because you'll adapt the offer to say well they're the right yeah, person yeah, exactly. adapt, yeah. and, and therefore you might want to offer them a lower salary but with the incentive to achieve this level of salary we will invest in you you invest in us and we'll make yeah. that work so it's a really difficult one i think it does depend upon the size of your organization and whether you have set salary and bandons and grades yeah. i mean somewhere like the nhs where they have grading systems you, grade you know, six. You know what grade six is, easy, yeah. but i do think it's very business dependent because what you also don't want to do is put people off uh, applying and if you have sometimes like high salary levels you may think well you know that that will attract people to us but it can also be a little bit off-putting because people t tend to talk themselves down imposter so syndrome yeah, i, I couldn't yeah. go for a 60 grand job yeah, yeah, i'm only on me. 40 yeah. i couldn't go for 60 yeah. whereas they might have applied for a 45 grand job yeah yeah you just exactly. never, know, you never know so i think it, it is very i don't think there's a right or right or wrong answer to it it's just so, it's just so it again depends on the job if, if you can put the salary in just put the damn salary in yeah that, yeah if you can't you need to give some indication so join our finance team you know we're looking for a bookkeeper da, 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 and then you'll get all of them up, yeah. like and you can filter out as you want you know yeah. you could always put a salary range in there you know of course yeah. that, uh, and then that gives you depending that on experience yeah and depending on experience yeah yeah okay then so as, as part of the so we're still kind of in the find but also in the kind of the offer and accept kind of stage here then so let's say we've managed to get an advert out the right people have seen it and, and some of those people have applied. 
What do we need to do then to make sure that we're getting the right people over the line? You know, what 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 format should an offer look like? Yeah. You know, what 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 should be in an offer? What 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 are the things you see that people just oh, keep getting wrong? You know. I think in terms, I would just say in terms of getting people to the interview and getting the right people, I think first impressions always make lasting impressions. So I think it's really important to have a smooth recruitment process where you're responsive, you're engaging, and people think from the officer, "Ooh, I'd like to go and work for these, you know, work for these guys." Yeah. Um, in terms of if you get to the interview stage, from a legal perspective, you've got to really be very careful in respect of what you ask people so you don't want to ask anything discriminatory you know are you planning on having children for example well, soon you, you just, just be married yeah, you're having exactly, kids soon, are you? uh, yeah exactly or asking asking about people's health problems and absence records just be very careful about things like that but ideally you would be asking all of the applicants the same questions you would have a couple of people do the interviews you would have full notes so that the process looks as objective as possible because um unsuccessful job applicants can pursue discrimination claims so you've just got to be if very you've asked any questions that. you yeah, shouldn't yeah, have asked exactly. they'll say well we know why you didn't yeah. and, and that might not have been relevant you might they might have had completely the wrong experience yeah. no qualifications in the role but if you've asked the question that is a red flag question well, well that's why you didn't and, and it'll actually, be hard to justify if you haven't got that evidence won't it Absolutely, and what I would say is, it's sometimes it's it's not the obvious questions as well, and this really goes back to the job advert, and this is something I see a lot of, and it is a bit of a bugbear of mine. It's requiring full time working in in job adverts or interviews, because the employment tribunals readily accept that more women than men take on caring responsibilities yeah, in this country. Yeah. It's not just caring for children now; it goes right across the generations. Because can, what's happening can, is people in, in my house, the home. women cared for their husband. To be honest. <laughs> I was going to say elderly parents, but okay, we can go with that. But as well. I'm, I'm, I'm hapless, yeah. So yeah, no, I fully, I fully accept. Exactly. But, but also, there's some great research on this as well. Um, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Um, a book by Carolina Cordia Perez, I think it is, Invisible Women. Statistically, women do have more caring responsibilities. They've got to do more school drops, drop shopping off at parents. All of these things make it harder to get those fixed start and end times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's before you put the COVID effect in. If yeah, what do I have to come in? Why do I have to come in at all? I can I can do this from anywhere. So yeah, it's just and it's just making sure because if you if you put full time work in, then ultimately you could be saying to a you're, you're saying to a huge number of women, we won't let you work flexibly. We won't let you work four days. And, and that's not great from a discrimi- discrimination perspective, but also you, you, you could be reducing your talent pool massively. You're eliminating, You're eliminating massive a massive yeah. section of society yeah. from applying. So um, I really did want, did want to get that point across because it still does happen. And, uh, and, and ultimately, you don't need to say anything. And again, if you have somebody come to you who's a, who's a complete superstar and ideally you'd want them to work five days, but they say, I'd really like to work four days because I've got these kind of responsibilities. A lot of the time, it isn't really actually a big problem. Again, depends on the organisation, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. If you need someone to, to be on a desk five days a week, then you might not be able to be flexible. If you're that big team with 10 and you're looking for the 11th, yeah. well, a four-day 11th, it yeah. doesn't make much difference, does yeah. it? It's so, yeah, again, just... It is organisation. Because people are sometimes limiting their own pool for a reason that doesn't even matter. Yeah. They're getting less people and it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But most, like, I, when, when I get into these debates, I, I often play devil's advocate and say, well, what if the person wants to put in a day's holiday? Or what if you send the person off on a one-day training course? Do you cope without them? Yes. Well, can you cope without them every week? 
probably yes. Probably yeah. And and it, it's just having that discussion. I've just at least been aware of it as a red flag, like. Oh, so. so 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 right again. So we've got the right person. They've applied. We like them. We've got an outline agreement on the type of thing that they're going to be doing. How do you make sure that the offer you make to them protects both parties? It sets the expectations you get. You're going to get from the new worker, but also sets their expectations right on what you're going to do for them as well because there's some things you've got to do legally and some things you should yeah. do as best practice isn't there yeah i mean in terms of best practice you know you want them to be very clear as to what the job is going forward and that really sets sets your style out for the rest of the employment yeah. start start from day one this is what your job description is this is what we, we require of you but also this is what we'll invest in you so if this you is what you can expect from us yeah, yeah. in terms of you, you know career development training you know and all of this should be part of the interview process it should be two way again it's back to your organization's culture what can we do for you and what can you yeah. do for us um in terms of the legal things to put in the offer letter it's really important to make um well to summarize the contractual terms you know your obvious things like pay and benefits but to make it's really important to make your offer letter conditional upon certain if you like things being achieved so um, make sure that employment is conditional upon receiving a right to work check or, or, or somebody yeah. passing a right to work check receiving references quite a lot of jobs require DBS checks now because what you don't want to do is if, if somebody um, you get negative references or somebody fails the right to work check or the DBS check then ultimately you've already offered them employment they've accepted you've got to terminate their employment you've got to pay them a notice period yeah I was going to say you, you, you've been yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. lost, you know, lost a couple of months' pay from yeah. someone who never even started yeah. because you've said, I will pay you. Exactly. So yeah. you've got to make their employment conditional upon them achieving. The, the, it, satisfying the conditions. Satisfying yeah. the conditions, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's three interesting points there, and I probably won't remember all of these, but if we can talk loosely then or quickly about what the, the job description should be, because something I see repeatedly in businesses say, oh, yeah, they're not doing. That might probably come into the retention bit and the yeah. probation, etc. So, we'll, we'll, but I think the job description is critical, and some we've got issues at the moment with a with, with a client where all of the issues would have been resolved had they just given job descriptions yeah. at the start. Yeah. So yeah. It's staggering. Um, the second thing you mentioned there is references. I mean, how much relevance should they place on references now? Because, I mean, I always think well, people aren't going to give you a name to ring up and get a reference from, who they're not expecting to get a good reference from. Yeah. It, it does. Is it still as critical as it is? It, is it? I, I think so. I, I think it depends. I mean, you would always want a reference, wouldn't you, from their existing employer? And certainly where they work now. Yeah, and yeah. if they if were, I think that would be sounding an alarm bell for me if they weren't giving you that name. So I think that's probably the starting point. I mean, there, there is this myth that you can't give a bad reference. It is a myth. You, well, you, that's where I was. So yeah. the next part of that question was, but also if you're asked to give a reference, you've got to be careful. You can't scupper it so you keep the worker. Yeah. You can't you can't lie. Yeah. Um, but also there's a lot of people are gonna go, Oh yeah, no, sorry, we don't give references. Yeah. Is that because of that myth? Yeah. Is it? I think it's you can give a negative reference but but it's got to be truthful and it's got to be an honest reference. And I think that's where employers run into difficulty because you could say, Well, actually they weren't a very good performer, but objectively how can you prove that unless you've got real evidence and so you've got to be Well this comes back to the next part of the thing and the retention as well. You shouldn't say anything in a reference that you haven't already said to that worker exactly. in an appraisal, a catch-up, a review. Yeah, <laughs> a and it's got to be objective. You know, you don't want to say, oh, they haven't got a great attitude or, you know, they weren't very motivated. It's got to be... A bit grumpy. Yeah, exactly. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> 
Just to be fair, some places you need to be grumpy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. We'll 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 not we'll not uh, we'll not alienate our viewers, but you know, some places grumpy is a, a prerequisite. <laughs> um, so okay then. So we've made an offer. It's conditional upon the right things. We've covered a couple of the legal things there. You know, I suppose the legal point there is you've got to make sure that you're saying it's conditional, subject to yeah. the relevant checks. Yeah. You can't make it conditional on things that on can't be ascertained. But let's just assume you've got some key things. So let's right. We've got someone starting tomorrow. What do we need to do in advance of them starting tomorrow? Then what legal requirements are there on day one and the things we need to do yeah. before we make a formal paying an offer yeah so the well, well usually by the time employment starts the offer is is, is at that point already formal and so the conditions have the conditions met, have been satisfied which makes it a binding offer yeah yeah um and the law has changed in recent years where you have to now give an employment contract on day one when somebody starts so you would want to either send them that in advance or at the very latest present that to them on day one when they turn up yeah. when they turn up the, the main other thing is your right to work check you know you, you do not as an employer want to be in a position where somebody is working for you and they're illegally you know illegally working for you so they're kind of the two main things from the legal well, just just for anyone who's never employed or isn't doing this what's a right to work check so it, it, it's checking that somebody just simply has the right to work in the uk and this has become again more relevant post brexit because the, the, the um freedom of movement you ended. can't assume because yeah. someone's physically yes. here yeah. that that, that they're allowed yeah. to work yeah they might um, be on a student visa they might not have a visa at all yes. anything could happen yeah. yeah so you so you know you would want i mean for the more straightforward cases you would be checking that they had a british passport and you would take them take a photocopy of that and satisfy yourself um for, for you, you, it's funny you would think most people would want to do those basic things anyway yes, yeah i'm going to trust this person to come into my workplace and do things on my behalf yeah you you think some of these things are just common sense yeah yeah you, ever... you would but um not always and then if, if somebody didn't have a british passport it's making sure that they've, they've either got indefinite leave to remain and they can produce the paperwork to that effect because there may have been a settled worker prior to us exiting brexit and you know that they may have been granted that leave to remain or that they're here under a, under a valid visa and yeah. you then get into a whole host of other issues in terms of you know you need to have diary reminders in place to make sure that the visa doesn't expire and visa, yeah, yeah so it, it, it kind of um and also you can't offer someone a permanent position if they're on a short-term stay yes, yeah exactly. it's like yeah because yeah. again you're just opening yourself yeah. up to well issues aren't you yeah. yeah so okay then um what has to be in a contract is it, is it worth covering that off or? Yeah, I mean, because it, it, like, all right, well, I'm not doing that, but what, what does it need to be? Yeah, I mean, I guess this comes back down a little bit to the job description, but in terms of an employment contract, you would have out, you'd have set out the main contractual terms. So you have these things like salary, holiday, entitlement, benefits. Um, th th those are, I guess, things that benefit the employee, but from a business protection perspective, you would want to ensure <coughs> employment contained clauses such as um, confidentiality provisions, Think about your GDPR compliance. If you're in a competitive industry, do you want to have restrictive covenants in there which state that if somebody leaves your employment, they can't entice away your clients or your staff? Your clients, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean. You might also have professional regulatory things. Oh, so, we as accountants use as solicitors. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're handling monies, etc., often your regulator will say, you all have to do this. Yeah. So, we have to undertake money laundering training, yeah, yeah. however often it is. 
you, you're going to have to say, well, and you have to maintain your money laundering. There's, there's things that you're going to have to do from a regulated yeah. perspective, isn't it? Usually it's requiring somebody to comply with the standards of their industry. So, so you know, um, for, for me, example, it would be, you know, being contractually required to, to comply with the solicitor's regulation authorities, yeah. rules and regulations. And then um, you, if you, you get struck off. Well, yeah. you haven't got a job anymore <laughs> yeah, for exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then you do now have to set out what training you require people to do again. It's another relatively recent change to the law. So in terms of actually what should be legally in an employment contract, I think there's a list of about 15 things that has to be in there that's contained in legislation. But I would say those are the easy parts, the, the more complex parts. Uh, what do you want to put it's in your employment contract to your, actual, your business yeah. to protect your business? Because the job you're offering someone is, is unique. It might be a stretch. It might be one of ten or eleven, but but it it's de it's your employer yeah. and employee uniqueness that I was yeah. getting out there. Yeah, yeah. No two jobs are the same, really, in that regard, are they? Yeah, exactly. And and, and something might occur that's a one-off. Like for example, somebody might come to you and say, "Say, well, I need to complete this training course." And you say, okay, we'll pay for it. But if you leave us with an X amount of time, we want to recoup the cost, recoup the cost of that training cost back from you. So it's making sure that you're not always just issuing blanket contracts and not actually thinking about, as you say, the unique individual circumstances yeah. and how you might need to tweak a contract. So there's say 15 or so things that they're, they're, they're the basics. Other other things that you, and I, I kind of know the answer, but there are also things you can't exclude because they're provided by statute. Yeah, of course. You can't say yeah. you will not get any sick pay, you cannot have holidays. Yeah, exactly. Are, are, are they the obvious ones? Are, are, there, are there other things that you're not allowed to exclude? Not really. It's just, you, you, in general, you can't contract out of any employment law rights which are contained in legislation. So that that's kind of the general principle. So if that's in there, it's like, well, well yeah. that's not enforceable. Yeah, yeah. Does that then throw the whole thing out or does it just mean... It would... I know yeah. in tenancy law, if you haven't done your gas check, you can't evict someone, for instance. Um, but in, in employment law, if you say, well, you can't have any bank holidays off and we're not going to give you the time, but you can't do that because there's minimum holiday requirements by statute, isn't there? Yeah. What, what, how, how does that, do, does that mean the whole thing's invalidated? Or? No, it wouldn't mean that, but it, it's, it's probably not um, something that ever really occurs in principle, really. It's been a long time. I'm just thinking there's, there might be people watching this going, I better start doing employment contracts who've never done them. Yeah, You've yeah. It's been law for a while now. Yeah, um, well, I would say don't do your own. <laughs> Well, you, well, devil's advocate, you would say that, wouldn't you? But, 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 uh, but no, joking aside, you're committing, taking on an employee is a big spend. Yeah. You wouldn't buy a house without getting a survey and doing yeah. your, you know, checks, yeah. the legal checks to make sure it's, you know, legally able to be sold, etc. You wouldn't buy a car without making sure the person you're buying it off can't do. But yet, staggeringly, people will write their own employment yeah. contracts. And actually, employees... For something that they're, they're buying a 20, 30, 100 oh, yeah, grand yeah. employee yeah, yeah. and they've handwritten their own yeah. agreement. It's, it's baffling, isn't it? Completely. And employees can actually bring claims if they aren't given an employment contract, which complies with the legislation. So it's really important to get the yeah. contracts right. But also the policies and procedures and the job descriptions that sit alongside it, because your employment contract's only one part of the tale. Well, that's, that's the next part. So what, what else is good practice? What, what else do you have to do and what else is good practice yeah. on day one? So, so I know we have an induction, everyone sits with our MD, yeah. says what kind of business we are, the culture we have, yeah. how we want people to behave, what they can expect from us. You know, 
what what are people getting wrong in that area? Because the retention is quite important and it starts as soon as they turn up, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like legally what you need, I mean, the main thing is just making sure that you've got in place the appropriate policies. So, you know, equal opportunities, policies, grievance and disciplinary. Um, those are all kind of the very technical sort of legal policies that you need. But then you also want to just make sure that operationally, you know, you, you're telling staff what they need to know. And induction processes are, of course, um, important, but it's always about getting that balance with telling people so much information too, that, too much oh, yeah that at the end of the first week of the new job they're thinking what on earth have i done and it's kind of making sure you again you're presenting the right impression and culture and not overloading people with too much information but at the same time giving them what they need to know it's not it's not an easy balance to achieve at all i mean i think the main thing for me is just making sure that once people have been through their induction they're not then just left because you you, you don't anybody who fails the probationary period it's a failure on the part of the employee and the employer, isn't it? It's, there's two, there's two, two yeah. people involved in that, isn't Exactly, it? Yeah. and from the employee's perspective, it might not be an intentional failure or anything that they've done wrong, but they've spent a huge amount of time and money investing in somebody, and at the end of the probationary period, it's all been for nothing. So it's really important to just um, manage employees and yeah. make sure Again, that... it's a big spend. It's a big Employing spend. someone is a, is yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. And then you're back to square one. You've got to go through the whole thing again. Exactly. And it wasn't fun the last time. Why, why would you volunteer to do it again? Exactly. Exactly. So it's about not just saying there's your induction and we'll see you in six months when your probationary period's coming. It's about that good management. It's just there should be no surprises at a six-month probation no. or a three-month. There shouldn't be any surprise, should yeah. there? Week one, you should go, how are you doing? Yeah. Week two, it's like, ooh, I noticed you didn't do this. And they should have a chance to go, I thought you were going to be doing this. It, yeah. There should be no surprises. Yeah, and having an open discussion, how are you, how are you getting on? You know, is there anything <coughs> that you're struggling with that you need a bit more support with? And, you know, because it is so daunting starting a new job. Um, and it's, it, again, it's that, it's that two-way process. You know, I've noticed you haven't done this, but actually, what do you need us to help, help you with? Because that's a learning opportunity as well, isn't yeah. it? Oh, you didn't do that. Oh, it didn't see anywhere I needed to do yeah, it. Exactly. Nobody's told me. Oh, yeah. good point. Yeah, you get that changed, but can you start doing it? Exactly. There you go. Is that, that, I mean, that's a good thing, isn't it? Of course it is. And again, you can't that, do that six months down no, the line. It's too late, it. isn't it? And again, it's that information overload, being realistic about what you expect people yeah. to achieve when, when they start a new job and just checking in with them regularly. And, you know, it's back to the job description and, and, and this is what we require of you. And this is what we, you know, we've set out what we want you to do and just kind of keeping it all under review, really. One of the key things that I, 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 I keep seeing, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this or your feedback, because you see this all the time, because you, you help people recruit, but also deal with the, the issues that arise when people aren't performing or employers haven't performed. It, how important is, is, is a, a good job description? It, it, like, I know you've got the legal stuff. Everyone has to get them right. There is, that's not optional. But the job description, it just feels like that's the bit where people just get it wrong so many times. Yeah, and again, it is very kind of business dependent because if you have a small business and everybody kind of just mucks in on a day-to-day -day basis, then um, that, that probably job descriptions are a bit over the top. But if you've got a reasonably large business or a medium-sized business, then it's always helpful for both the employee and the employer to set out clearly what the job expectations are. Because Sorry, so, 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 so can I just touch on that? Yeah, because the, the small workplace... Ironically, I think the feedback is almost instant. If you're one of three or four people in a team, including the business owner, yeah. you know what's going on yeah. and you don't wait till the six month probation. Yeah. So 
I actually think I agree with you. The job description is more important in a bigger organisation because other than on day one where you shake someone's hand, you might not see them again yeah, yeah. for weeks or, or months. You might not have any interaction because you don't need to on an operational basis. So I actually think you're, you're probably right on that. It's more important there. But also, that's where I think people just aren't doing it. Yeah. We, we, we've got people who've recruited directors, they've made people directors, and, and they haven't given them any guidance as to what their new responsibilities are. Yeah. Or people are made a manager. It's like, you've never told them what the difference in their job is. And the first thing that person's going to say when they say you're not performing is, oh, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't realise. But again, if you yeah. set out the job expectations. I mean, the other side of it, again, always wanting to be objective and look at both sides, is you don't also want your job descriptions to be overly pres prescriptive yeah. so that when you start asking people to do things, they go, well, that's not in my job description. <laughs> so it's, it's always about that balance and making sure that the wording is yeah. not overly prescriptive, but that you've at the very least set out the minimum that you require of people with yeah. some flexibility he added in there so i mean we, we, we had an example in a in one of our clients where someone was being a director of a, of, a, of a service line and they were never told that they would then be responsible for managing the performance of the people under them yeah yeah um it was a very hands-on md who basically interfered for a better word and everything they were like oh well you never told him yeah it's a reasonable expectation that they would be doing it to the outside world but actually, it was also a justifiable thing. Well, you never told me I had to do that, yeah. so obviously I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. All that's changed is you paid me a bit more money, and I never get the blame for stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, yeah. well, you you know. So I think it's a two way thing, isn't it? You got to. Well, that's about just management in terms of you should be checking in with your staff regularly. So that MD should have been having one to ones with the director and saying like, how's this going? How's that going? I've noticed this, or you know, um, how are you ha how, how are you, you finding the check ins with the team? I haven't done any. Yeah. Well, again, that would be flushed out yeah, in yeah. a week, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. That would come out quite quite quick. Quite quickly. So yeah. it's just making sure you don't have that hands off approach to management. What um what 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 what. Is the biggest cause then? Do you think for people leaving an employment threatening Sarah? Because there's a thing going around: people don't leave employers; they leave managers. Yeah. Is 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 just? It, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, because there was also there's also something going around in terms of people. Most people don't actually leave a job for salary in terms of a pay increase. Of course, some people do, but most of the time it's because they're just uncomfortable with where they're working and it might be the managers or it might be the culture of the organisation. Um, what I would say is just because somebody's really good at their job, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're good at managing people. Yeah. Um, and what I often, you know, if, if I have a client who contacts me who says somebody isn't managing well, usually the first question I say is, but have you trained them to manage? Because have, have you upskilled them have to then your role? Yeah. yeah. So, for example, if somebody's a really good solicitor or accountant, and then they're appointed to manage a team, they might be a brilliant solicitor and accountant, but do they then have the softer skills? To, to manage yeah. and lead that team yeah. but again if you haven't set that out to them this is what we require and you haven't offered any support to that manager you're on the back foot so yeah. um so you're right um in, in in terms of i think people do often leave jobs because of managers but it's, there is an obligation on employers to make sure that they support and train the managers yeah. And, yeah. And, and again i think in terms of people leaving jobs it is about your organization's culture and i i think you know 
um, it, it's more, it, it is more than now than just pay and benefits. I think people want to have a voice, so whether that's um, you know, involvement with things like corporate social responsibility or you've, you've kind of got staff engagement committees, um, environmental sustainability is a hot topic. Um, it, it, it's kind of just having employees kind of having a, a cause and a passion maybe that's outside of their job. Yeah. And then um, obviously if they get on with the manager and they're very well paid, then <laughs> you should be home and drive. Then, then, then that's the holy trinity, <laughs> yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. because um, I always think people are only looking at other job adverts and only seeing what they could get paid if they're unhappy in the first place. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. If 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 you absolutely love your job and you're over the moon and you're absolute you know, and everything about your job is is, is sweet for want of a, a simple way of putting it, you're not you're just saying no to recruiters, aren't you, when, when they inevitably pitch at you. Yeah, or, yeah. you and you're not, used to be reading the journal, you know, the Chronicle on Thursday or whatever it was, was jobs there. You're, you're not buying it, you're not looking for jobs if you're completely happy. So if you, if you can get the right role and make sure people are getting enough to do what they want, then salary isn't the critical thing, is it? No, no. Because also always. people won't just, you know, you, I'm sure there's loads of jobs where, you know, how much would it, how much would I have to give you to do this? And you go, all the money in the world wouldn't get me to do that. Well, that happens for work as well, yeah, isn't yeah, it? It's like, oh, there's yeah. just some jobs I just co- I couldn't do, yeah. which is proof that pay isn't the critical element, is it? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And again, it's back to the culture of your organisation. Is this somewhere I can see myself working for the next 20 years? Is my manager somebody who I can see myself working with the next 20 years? And all of these things massively yeah. come into the mix. Yeah. What, 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 just if you can leave us in Sarah with one thing that you just think, Everyone's getting wrong. What, what, like, what's what's the one takeaway tip if we if we had to say, if everyone just did this, that would make life so much easier. Wow, that's a hard question. I I think re- I would probably focus on the retention, and, and I guess I'm basing this on a lot of what I um see is that if you want to retain your staff, just engage with them and um make sure that your managers are well trained to be managers because. I, I think the retention part is probably just as hard as the recruitment part at the minute. And the recruitment part is quite difficult to solve. The retention part doesn't have to be as difficult. Because also you only have to find people if you lose people. Exactly. Don't you? Yeah. yeah, so if you keep your good staff, you won't have as, much recruit, you won't have as many recruitment issues. Yeah. And, and again, it's just making sure that you're, you're training your managers um, and upskilling just, just across the workforce to engage with the staff, to... Um, have employee engagement initiatives to keep everyone happy. Just have a happy workforce. Have a happy workforce. Nice and easy. Simple. It just sounds really easy, doesn't it? When I just say sim- it like that. simple as that. Happy workforce. <laughs> well, listen, Sarah, thanks very much. No um, I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope you've all learned something. And as always, we appreciate any comments, any feedback. Sarah's details are in the links below. Feel free to reach out. I'm sure she'll be happy to expand on any point she's made. Great, thank you.